You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 98 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with my co-host and co-founder and co-laborer, Lee Fields. We haven't done co's in a while. How you doing? We do them every time. Uh, last time I tried not to. And when I say co-host, my brain just goes to whatever else co I can say. Cooperation. Yeah. Cocaine. Collaboration. Whoa. Well, that Man, sugar is just as addictive as cocaine. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, I had a 98 reference. Usually you say a number and I come up with a, you Ooh, know. Okay, ni- 98 degrees? No, 98, the year the Tennessee Volunteers won the national championship. Awesome. Yeah. 98, also the year that Elizabeth Guerrero decided to be my wife. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we anniversary coming up soon. Marvin Gaye music, cue it. Come on. Actually, don't. We had to pay him royalties then. <laughs> Wasn't it him that got sued over using a track? Or somebody used a Marvin Gaye track? No, someone used a Marvin yeah, Gaye track. He, he sued them for <laughs> yeah. using a Marvin Gaye track. <laughs> yeah, so we should stop talking about him. He's going to sue us. Okay, we'll use Barry White instead. <laughs> okay. That was almost not. Well, we've got enough. a lot to talk about today. We do. I'm I'm so excited about our special guest. So this is the first episode in a while where we've had us doing the intro, yeah. and then we have a separate interview yep. that we're going to get to later. So yep. um, we just recorded it, and it's awesome. It is so awesome. It's a continuation of our conversation from last week, which I am blown away by the response and the number of responses yep. of people who are resonating with this conversation. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. I was I knew that the feedback and response would be significant. It was it was way more than I anticipated to be honest. Yeah. Um me too. The stories, d- direct messages, DMs, emails, Slack messages, you know, all, all the above. It's been a lot, you know, a lot of people encouraging, thanks for doing this. I've had wives send messages. Thanks for doing this. And thinking of my family and my husband. Um, wow. I, it's been a lot, you know, yeah. um, it's been a lot on multiple levels, to be honest. Like I said in the last episode, like, uh, it's a little hard to do this because uh, of my own issues, but then hearing everybody else's, it's like, wow, it can, it can kind of add to that pressure a little bit, but you know, talk to you, Jeff, about it. I've talked to a couple people. It's like, well, can't be responsible for everybody's actions and if, and if they're successful in this, but we for dang sure can lead the conversation and give people some tools. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We can't be responsible for other people's feelings or responses. We just have to do what we know is best for us to do. And it's funny, you know, I've, I've been really kind of heavy about this this week too, for me personally. And it's, it's interesting because you and I've talked about this. I carry my weight pretty well. And so I'm not obviously, you know, super overweight, but I am overweight. And so I, it, it's easier for me to sort of cover up and internalize and not because there's not this sort of gigantic outward expression of what's going on with me, but there are some things chemically in my body that I have to deal with. And it's, it's a huge challenge because I, I feel like, there's this fear of failure too, or feeling like, okay, here we go again. You yeah. know, you're going to get dialed in and then 
fall off the wagon. So right. it's not just it's not just the weight thing. It's a lot of things. So yeah. So thanks everybody for all the messages. I tried to respond to all of them. There's just been so many. I, I sound like a freaking tool bag influencer by saying that, but it's just reality. There's been hundreds of comments on posts and messages. I just can't get to all of them, but I've tried. Um, yeah. And and you know what's what else is encouraging to me and maybe surprising is that people's people have been willing to admit things other than just problems with diet, exercise, and weight loss. Right. You know, we've, we've had people confess things about, you know, alcohol and other substances and things that are just a big, big, big deal. And so the fact that we're trying to sort of bring some of this stuff to light, I think is going to be what we're going to be about for a while. So if you guys are tuning in to hear about, you know, the nuances of compressor threshold settings, you know, that might not be the focus for a while, but that's okay. Uh, but we're going to start some new podcasts it's shortly that will meet that need. So yes, yes. You'll be able to geek out on gear with our other uh, family of podcasts. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, that's coming soon. Um, so Jay's not with us because there's a winter storm warning approaching the Southeast. So that's right. We're getting ready for snowmageddon. Passion City Church decided to pre-record their services today in the event that they can't meet this weekend. Or did they already cancel? They have canceled service for Sunday. Okay, so he was going to be here, and then they scheduled their service to be recorded. So he couldn't be here, which he wanted to be. Yeah. And you guys hung out last night, right? You went to Atlanta? We did. I drove down to Atlanta because uh, Jay was having dinner with... Marcus and a couple of the guys from Skylark and I couldn't let them have a great meal without me. So <laughs> where'd you guys go? We went to Marcel, oh, which is yeah. a beautiful steakhouse in Atlanta that is owned by Ford Fry, who's one of the hottest chefs around. And it's one of his many great restaurants. But man, I had a so I had a fillet. I was trying not to overdo it and overindulge. So I had a I had the smallest fillet. And asparagus. And that's kind of, I didn't eat the crappy potatoes and all the other stuff. I just tried to stay kind of under control. It was one of the best fillets I've ever had. Wow. So lately I've been ordering my fillet, Pittsburgh Rare, which is a super like char layer on the very outside. And then still moving in the middle. Well, mid rare or below oh, on the inside okay. so it's like it's not it's not bloody cold but it's it's not me it's not a full medium rare yeah but man that char that they got last night on the outside of this piece of meat it was heaven that's it was awesome. so good that's so yeah. cool um so another thing happened this week i posted something on instagram about church salaries uh yeah that was uh <laughs> Stepping into a field full of landmines. Yeah. Yeah. I We're going to do an episode on this, I think. And I think it's a, it's important enough that we're going to have yeah longer discussion on it. But the reason we're not just going to spend a whole episode talking about it amongst ourselves is because we want the conversation to be balanced and yeah. nuanced in terms of, hey, we need to get the perspective of an executive pastor and a senior leader and a worship pastor and maybe get people around this conversation that's more than just yours and my opinions. Yeah. But 
everybody's doing the 10 year challenge. So if you didn't see the post, Lee made a post of church tech salary in 2011 versus 2021. And it's the same number and it's low and it's pretty low. So there are two, two things I pointed out. I, you know, it's funny. I saw someone five minutes before I posted it. I was inspired by someone else that posted. Um, I think it was my friend, Mike in Texas. He posted, uh, I think average rent and maybe minimum wage or something. It was one of those. Yeah, min- Minimum wage was seven twenty five then and now yeah. nationally yeah. and rent. Rent has almost doubled yeah. in the same time frame. Yeah. Yeah. So I I know because so this conversation about money and salaries, it comes up weekly for me in a conversation yeah. somewhere, whether that's a a church reaching out, you know, uh, we need to hire someone for this position, or church is asking me how much you should pay for this, or a relationship with slingshot, things like that. And so I'm like, oh, I'll post this. This will be interesting. You know, it's eleven o'clock at night. I'm about to go to sleep and I just made this in the notes app and just posted it and just left it. It's like your version of a tech director booty call. <laughs> like you should not be doing this at 11 o'clock at night, oh my but you did it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously it created a lot of conversations. I mean, there's yeah. hundreds of comments on the post. It, you know, you on uh, Instagram, you can click view insights and it'll tell you how many times the post was bookmarked and forwarded to other people. It's close to, it's been forwarded 400 times or something. (laughs) It's crazy. So, um, some, when I posted it, I, I didn't know what would happen, but I kind of was poking the bear a little bit. So I made that follow-up video the next day pretty early because I I do want people to know, first of all, I'm a hundred percent for the church. And I still think. This is not an anti-church. No. Comment. I think the local church is God's plan A for humanity. 100%. I've had my own interesting experiences with the church, but it is still plan A. 100%. And I think a lot of churches get this right. But there are some churches who get this wrong. Now, what the motivation and the intentions are of why they get this wrong, I don't think are all bad. I think it's super nuanced. There's so much that goes into this. You know, if we just look at America, which that's the other thing I've realized is my post, it's a very American church issue, North American. You know, but even in Canada, there aren't a lot of churches with full time technical staff. There are, there just aren't in Europe. Right. In the UK, somebody said like, Maybe there's a dozen or something. It's not a lot. It really isn't with yeah. full-time staff. So it's an American well, issue. When we did our event in Sweden uh, several years ago, yeah. there were zero church staff in the audience. We had 125, 130 people yeah. in the room, and they were 100% volunteers. Right. And they were fully responsible for operating the gear in their churches. So yeah. they didn't report to a staff person. There just isn't a staff person. Yeah. So to clarify the post, it yeah. was based on people who actually receive a full-time salary yes. for working at their church yes. in production. And most of those are mega churches. Yes. I, um, I started writing down some of my thoughts on this, even after I posted that video, like I'm going to finish this list and maybe we'll read it on the episode we actually do. But I wrote people that don't make enough money in church usually don't ask for more money. Like we need to learn how to ask. I think that's part of the mm-hmm. problem. A lot of underpaid staff actually aren't underpaid. 
it's an easy job and you have it made. Like, so I think there's a <laughs> lot of people making 38 grand that they're overpaid yeah. because they got two services a weekend and probably have enough time to sit around, twiddle their thumbs and get caught up on Yellowstone in the office. I'm like, I mean, that's pretty easy. Yeah. The argument goes both ways. Yeah, it totally does. And stories, because this came up in some of the comments, stories I hear of volunteers donating their time and money and gear is awesome. It's not sad. Like, so some people right. would say like, yeah, I give 30 hours a week to my church and they don't pay me anything. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. Good for you that you're able to do yeah. that. Now, if it's an unhealthy thing, then that's a whole different situation. But Jeff, you and I know a guy that we met a few years ago that he and his wife donated all of the gear for their church plant. Yes, 100% of the gear came from their personal household. Yeah, and this guy's amazing. He's like fantastic attitude, fun to be around, has a, a, an above average job. And he's not like rich by any means either. It was like genuine sacrifice this guy made, him, he and his wife, and funded their church startup with all their gear. I don't think that's yeah. abuse. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Same for me in, I'll just get specific at my church in Greenville. One of the main sort of core audio volunteers, he works for a digital company during the week, has a great job. He and his wife don't have kids. His way of serving is doing whatever he can to say yes to whatever the church needs. So if they have a need for uh, somebody to run sound for the meeting that was a surprise that's coming up or the student thing or the whatever, whatever. He's always the first one to say yes. And he's always the first one to kind of be willing to set everything up and go for it. And that's amazing. Like to have churches that have cultures like that with people who are so willing to be all in, of course we love that. And he doesn't need to be paid. And so he doesn't care to be paid because that's how he's giving back and serving his church. Totally. Another thought I wrote down was, Mega church technical directors are mostly compensated fairly, but on those same teams is when you find some cases that are what I would call poor. So the assistant TDs, the lighting mm -hmm. person of a big church, the sermon graphics person, those are the ones that you find are actually making even less than what I posted. They're in, they're like, I make 30 grand. But, yeah. you know, so it's an interesting thing, like mega church, couple hundred people on staff. Some people are compensated great and it's awesome and benefits and treated awesome. But on the same teams of those churches, yeah. we're seeing people be severely underpaid. Now, I'm not saying that's all mega churches, but that is that is a thing. Yeah, it's it's a thing. And it's I think it's common probably to a lot of organizations that size in a lot of areas of our economy. I think yeah. you know there's there's some things and two thoughts came to mind about this more broadly to me. One, there are some jobs in production where there is a ceiling yes. because of the job. And so you're not going to find somebody who's going to be a lifer in terms of building a career around being the lighting guy in a mega church. Generally speaking. Generally. Because that role has a ceiling beyond which you can't really grow. In other words, there aren't going to be many of those guys who are associate directors or not the main TD 
that are going to be able to go from thirty to eighty thousand yeah. dollars over the course of fifteen years. Right. The and the other thing on the other side of the coin, some of the frustration for me with church staff in technology comes from the fact that if you're the student pastor or the worship leader, over time you might grow into the point where you get the benefit of ordination, where then you, all of a sudden you get a housing allowance because according to the IRS, you have a different tax burden because of your uh, status as ministerial staff. Generally speaking, tech staff doesn't have that same opportunity. Right. So they're, you know, it's, they don't have the benefit, even though the salary doesn't increase, they don't have the added benefit of less of their salary going toward their tax burden. So for sure, just a couple of thoughts that are kind of random. I, I know I personally look at vulnerable because that seems to be the theme of my life the past few weeks is being vulnerable <laughs> on our podcast um, to earn a significant enough salary to where I felt like I could support a family, put kids through college, buy a 1% above average home, vacation comfortably. I had to leave the technical staff to be able to get that type yeah. of salary. I had to grow and work my way and earn my way into a position of an executive pastor level, multiple campuses, you know, 20, 30 staff members, a ministry school to be able to have that. So that's even rare. So what you're saying about like lifelong technical staff, it's a tough position to plan to be in into your 40s. Yeah. It just is. Is that yeah. a, I don't I, I don't mean I, to I think sound. that's a great I think that's a great way to say it. So everybody listening, like don't don't hear us bashing the church no. because it's it's not that. It's it's a difficult spot, you know, but if you're if you're a 24-year-old kid who doesn't have a college degree and you're technically minded, man, being on a church staff as a tech is awesome. And to your point about the future, I would say be strategic in how you can grow your skill, grow your leadership, grow your influence on the staff so that when other opportunities do come available, you're not stuck in the same role for the next 10 years right. because there needs to be some other 24-year-old kid coming behind you that you can replace yourself with. Totally. And when you get to the point in your life where you need to lead your family in a way that your position can no longer do that, you're now faced with having some conversations. Now, notice I did not say quit your job and go find another one. But those conversations with your leadership need to be honest in, hey, uh, I'm 32 years old, been married five years, I've got you know, kid in kindergarten, uh, I'd love to be able to buy a home one day in, in our in our city that we love so much. What opportunities are here at Southeast Bible that could afford me the type of salary that I could stay here and be in this ministry and provide my family in a in a responsible and healthy, God honoring way? So that's great. Have that conversation, not just go and quit. Like maybe it means you need to go find another job. It might mean that. But it might not if you have those respectful, truthful, gracious conversations with your church. Because if your church is 300 people 
and the pastor's bivocational and you're part-time, well, that's it's just not in the cards. It's not the same conversation. Right. Totally. That's great. Well, before we get to our guest, I had one other thing. It's just a tidbit, but I thought this is an interesting thing that I wanted to get your opinion on. So rewinding back to Passion Conference, there were several sessions where um, when the host came up after the worship set, the band would stay on stage and just play behind the hosting moment. A lot of people experience this every week in their churches. You know, we would do it at North Point. We would do it at Passion City. A lot of times, this this is a common thing. Um, the host is given good information, but it's basically just announcements, right? People are, you know, it's not not this huge emotional moment. It's just the hey, welcome, and here here's what we're going to do this session. Well, the band was sounding great, first of all, but the they just kind of played this groove underneath the host, which happens a lot. And I noticed that it struck me that the volume of the band was especially loud. And I liked it. Okay. So it's it was interesting to me because I think a lot of people just sort of have this, the band's on stage and you can barely hear this pad and maybe there's a groove, but I'm not sure because we don't want to cover up the, the host. Well, my first thought was, Turn up the hosting music. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So anyway, it was just okay. a, a pretty inspiring moment. I have some thoughts on this because I'm usually the opposite. I'm usually, turn it down. I can't understand what they're saying. Yeah. And I was too until I heard it done this way. And it wasn't that the host was covered up. It was just there was a little more energy underneath them. The whole thing was louder. So my questions are, were they on headsets or handheld mics? Doing the announcement. Maybe the session that struck me so much, they were on a handheld. That makes a huge difference. That would make a huge difference because on the headsets, it's so thin with a band behind it. It's very hard to hear what they're saying. Yeah. So that's I, a good point. I would agree with you. I, I would want to hear it, but I think at the end of the day, that announcement still has to be so on top of it that you understand every word. Right. But the whole thing can be louder. But I think for churches who want that energy, I think it's a good conversation. Hey, for this moment, we could we could get this result if you used a handheld instead of a headset. Yeah. For some people, it might be more engaging. That's awesome. I I remember a few times the person doing the announcement being on headset because they had stuff in their hands and they didn't want to hold a right, mic. Right, right. And the band's playing, and I get on the talk back and tell Chris, the drummer, hey, can you not hit the kick drum? Because even with the gate closed, the the batter hit or the beater hitting the drum was overpowering uh-huh. those headsets because I couldn't get it. Wow, you know what I mean? <laughs> like those yeah, freaking headsets. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So obviously, it depends on the size of the room, the context, yeah. the quality of the band, all those things. But basically, it was very interesting. And so, if you guys want to do more than just a pad yeah. behind somebody speaking, I think it's a good way to sort of kind of turn up the energy and get a little more engagement. So experiment with that and just see what you come up with. Let us know how it works out. Um, I don't use Digico consoles that often, but one reason I would love to use them is in that moment, being able to put gates on a macro for all the gates on the drums. 
because usually the drummer in that moment they're playing about 50 percent or less yeah yeah and you can't so the get gate the, will never open i know so a macro to lower thresholds or just turn gates off all at the same time instead of going channel 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 it's a great idea i know it's that's not an original idea i've seen many people do no that. but it's it's a good application for macros it is everyone that's needs cool. macros speaking of macros hey nutrition <laughs> has macros in it oh yeah so dylan howell huge shout out to you um our friend dylan at amplio one of our partners dylan's been one of my closest friends for years he was there when my son was born um he knew what we were about to do was that weird what do you mean that he was there when your son was born like in the room with you yeah he held my hand (laughs) <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was in the waiting room. We'll say that. Um, he reached out and said, hey, I got a guy you should talk to about all this. And uh, I got busy this week. And I'm like, Jeff, call this guy. See if he's legit. And you talked to him yesterday. I did. And you liked him. He's great. Dr. Barrett Dubert is his name. And he owns two locations of a company called Health Factory Knoxville. And he is a chiropractor by training. He's also big into nutrition and CrossFit as the fitness part. So it's this holistic chiropractic, fitness, nutrition, kind of integrated medicine approach to health and wellness. And he, first of all, has a ton of information and data, but is also just a great guy who loves the church. Yeah. So we're going to just go right into our conversation. Yeah, and what you're about to hear, I, I say this early on in the interview, but I basically said hello, met him for the first time, and we hit record, so enjoy. Well, we are thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Barrett Dubert, and it's it's crazy because as Lee and I have been having this conversation, um, it's just interesting to us that you know we're moving our operations to Knoxville. We have our good buddy Dylan in Knoxville who has been at Faith Promise Church and other churches in the area forever. And the fact that we have somebody who's also based in Knoxville to help us have this health and wellness conversation is just more uh, more providential than coincidental. So thank you so much for being here and being willing to be a part of this really important discussion. Absolutely. Excited to be here. So Lee, why don't you fill Barrett in on how we got here and what we're trying to do with all this yeah i mean this is about as real as a conversation gets too because i have only said to barrett hello and then we hit record so (laughs) everyone is no script there's no no outline that's right here we go no so everyone's gonna get the raw conversation here so oh um, and let me make a disclaimer before we start so guys who are listening I know you know this, but we have to say it out loud. MXU is not giving any specific medical advice. (laughs) We're not uh, medical experts. Lee and I are not going to be liable for any medical information that's talked about here. So before you embark on any fitness or diet or wellness program, consult with your own physician because we don't want you to come crying to us when you start waking up sore every day and (laughs) it's not our fault. Okay. So get your own chiropractor. That's right. (laughs) But if you're fat, you should do something about that. I'll, I'll stick <laughs> yeah. to that. Uh, okay, so the, how we got connected was our friend Dylan Howell in Knoxville, who uh, works with one of our partners, Amplio. Dylan and I have been friends a long time. I was sharing with him kind of what we were thinking about doing, and and Dylan really 
is uh, he's a believer himself in this, and he knew he knows that it was a problem. And he said, "Hey, you really got to talk to my buddy Barrett." So that's what happened. And then we did this podcast last week. And I heard from Dylan that you listened to it already. I did, man. I jumped right on it. <laughs> and this was before we had even talked to you. So, and we referenced in the episode, hey, we've got somebody. We hadn't even talked to you yet. So we didn't even know if it was going to work. But then you and Jeff connected on the phone yesterday. So I'm curious just to hear from you, your thoughts on that episode you listened to. And then we can kind of go from there. Uh, I think you nailed it on uh, on the head. Um, you hit it on the head when... when uh, referencing the the church, but also just the creative department, you know, where it is more sedentary. You are behind a desk. Um, what um, happens from a health perspective from a sedentary lifestyle, um, usually a caffeinated lifestyle, it's not, it's usually not great outcomes. And so, you know, my heart was just kind of like, hey, um, and I, w- I want to provide some value um, for for these guys, uh, immediately there was just this instant connection of like, I want to help them, you know, and, and it's because it's what what we do here in Knoxville. It's what uh, it's what I do. It's what my passion is, and so it was just an instant like, hey, I think I think God's in this. I think there's a there's a moment of, I think we, there's a there's a sense of um, a gift that you know He's given me to provide uh, to help people on their journey of health and. I also think you nailed it on the head when you when you said, "Hey, we we need to take uh, baby steps, uh, right?" So it's all about where we're going to be five years from now, not where we're going to be five minutes from now. And yeah. uh, we always have a saying, you know, if you, whatever you do, right, however you do anything, is how you do everything. So making an investment in your health really it it affects every other area of your life. That's so good. So. This kind of, you know, a lot of people are hearing this and it's kind of coming out of nowhere. So let's establish a little bit of credibility to your voice. So tell us about Health Factory Knoxville, some of your background, how how you're in this game to begin with and kind of what you're what you're dealing with every day in your business and in your practice. Yeah, so uh the business that we have, uh there's 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 two of them. Um it's they're pretty much the same. So the Health Factory is a is a chiropractic office. It also has a CrossFit gym or a training facility. Um, we offer nutrition, functional medicine, and uh, and really just we're a community of people to help a group of people that aren't healthy. And so it's a team that's really equipped to handle whatever condition, whether it's autoimmunity um, or whether it's cancer, to help them on the journey to create health in their bodies and do that in a more natural way. Um, and so that's that's who we are. Uh, we have two two locations here in Knoxville. Um, I've been in practice for 12 years, and really, the, I always say that the Health Factory is an extension of my life. So so what you see is what I do, and so I'm not providing information I haven't tested, that I haven't brought even clients through, and it's been a learning process, just like any other person that's starting a, a, a company. You know, one year in practice looks a lot different than than twelve years in practice. That's great. So your background is in chiropractic mostly in terms of your training, and you know, the, the doctor of I don't even know what yep, the doctorate chiro- is that's called. Right. Doctor of chiropractic, but it is. Um, then the then the t- nutrition and fitness kind of came alongside in a parallel path, or that was a later thing, or separate, or 
What was the journey in that, in terms of just the relationship between chiropractic and the functional fitness mm-hmm. and nutrition? Well, it, it really came in, in grad school when I was uh, exploring just how the human body works and just realizing that um, when I'm adjusting someone who is consuming fast food five, six, seven days a week um, versus someone who's drinking water and eating clean food, there's a different response in their body. So it really, my, my path in functional medicine came out of uh, looking at the human body from a standpoint of, okay, um, we can remove the interference to allow the body to heal, but we also need to supply it with the right nutrients to heal. So that's what kind of started that that journey in nutrition. And then, uh, man, I just like to hit hit limits, push boundaries, uh, figure out what I'm capable of. And so at that time, you know, going back 13, 14 years ago, there was this crazy online program that you'd log in and try these workouts online, and that was called CrossFit in the, in the original days. And so, you know, it just pushed me. It 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 uh, was challenging, and I enjoyed that. And so, from that, what I really enjoyed about CrossFit was the community. Is we need community to succeed, and it doesn't matter what area. We need to be coached. You know, if if we're not succeeding in an area, we need help. We need a leader. We need to be coached. And so, CrossFit as a community helped us create that that atmosphere where people can lean on another person. Um, grow together, and inevitably, you know, we see the results pan off to where they're still chugging away on that same program a year or two years later versus someone who's sit at home trying to do it by themselves. So that's kind of the that's evolution great. of adding all these components. And we wanted to be a nonstop, uh, a one-stop shop, you know, that you could come to us and we could provide you with the nutrition, the medical, you know, resources from a nutritional standpoint, chiropractic standpoint, from a movement standpoint, and that you didn't have to go anywhere else. That's great. That is awesome. So, I mean, where do we start? I mean, <laughs> you're you're the expert here. Um, you know, I have my own journey that I need to start again, and we, we can talk about that. How many times I've started that journey? Um, Jeff also is Jeff. <laughs> it's funny because it, being overweight, like when you see people, like I'll just use Jeff as an example, Jeff to me does not look unhealthy. He looks like that average dude. But even Jeff will tell you he's got things he needs to figure out and discipline and diet and, and things like that. So it's weird for me sometimes. I'm like, okay, this is just for me and Barrett, but it really isn't. It's for everybody. And then we've got hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds and hundreds of messages the last few days on Instagram, text messages and emails of people that are fit, but they're like, somebody said skinny fat, like this guy's like in shape, but he doesn't feel in shape all the way to people that are considering, or maybe just in gastric bypass and in the extremely obese category. So we have people that are all over the spectrum here. So where do we start? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think we start with, um, man, maybe it's just the reality, you know, the reality is 42% of Americans are obese. Like that's a heavy reality. And, and when we talk about obesity, we talk about, you know, over 25, 30% body fat. So, and, and if we look at kids, 20% of kids are obese, um, not overweight, obese. And that's, that's just a few decades ago. That was 5%. Wow. So, you know, that kind of sets in heavy, right? Because inevitably we as adults lead our kids and our kids lead the next generation. And so I always think, 
hey, when we're setting health goals, we have to think generationally. We just can't think about ourselves. We have to think about our kids and our kids' kids. And if if we're looking at this lineage, it's it's not a healthy lineage. And, uh, and, and that's why we're seeing cancer rates and heart disease rates and inevitably increase, but also life expectancy for the first time is decreasing. So we're not heading in the right direction. So sometimes just the obvious, like, hey, we're not doing well. Maybe we know that, but maybe we don't know the gravity of the situation. That I always say, if you're just passive as an American in your health journey, you're going to get what Americans get. And that's heart disease. That's cancer. You know, that's a sudden heart attacks with no symptoms. Gotcha. Wow. Well, that's, um, <laughs> it's easy to go down a pretty bleak path when that is the case. Um, I know for me, you know, Lee mentioned, like, I don't, I don't look, I'm, I'm certainly not morbidly obese. I don't look obese, but I am overweight. And I feel like I've gained and lost the same 30 pounds five times in the last 10 years. It's like this cycle of, okay, on the wagon, not really off the wagon. And then, a little bit back and then off the wagon and then back again. It's like a lot of people experience that yo-yo, that back and forth, that even, you know, my wife and I have have been involved in a CrossFit community for a lot of years, and she's way better at it than I am um, in terms of consistency. But I get the community aspect and how important that is. So talk for a minute, though, about the the tendency in a lot of us to sort of be on that up and down seesaw of frustration and success and frustration and success like how do you how do you give people advice on how to really gain momentum and stay with whatever traction we can get as we get started on something like this right yeah i, th- I think it i think it's the the idea of habit stacking right so i think we come out of the gates and we realize hey i'm not well so i'm going to i'm going to do a whole 30 i'm going to do paleo challenge i'm going to do this 90 day 75 day get hard like yeah. do everything i can and what what that does is creates really a, a pretty phenomenal change but it's really not sustainable and yeah. what we find is that when you can't sustain something you go back to your old habit and then we increase our body weight and then we get frustrated we drop it back down so we we take this approach of habit stacking we want to create 1% change every day to inevitably create a hundred percent change over the period of time. And so when we create those one percent changes, as simple as hydration, sleep, little nutrition hacks, that's when we stack these habits, we create momentum, and then it becomes more of a snowball effect than a valleys and mountains type of approach. Okay. So that that's really that good. resonates with me because I've same thing. I've I did the carnivore diet once. I think I lost 50 pounds on the carnivore diet in like 90 wow. days. It was crazy. Yeah, and he ate a lot. Of I meat. mean, I yeah. would, dude, <laughs> that's exactly. We right. would go to a steakhouse, and I would order three ribeyes. You know, oh, that's and, my that's my love language, and just <laughs> pounding it. I was eating three or four thousand calories. It seemed like of meat and dropping weight like I've never seen. But it's not sustainable, and it was freaking expensive. And my house smelled like bacon all the time. You know, <laughs> it was crazy. That's exactly right. <laughs> but I, I also think I have like. Somebody, somebody heard me say this on the last episode, like adult attention deficit. It's like I do something for three months and then I, I want to change to something else. So I think, and I've got buddies doing 75 hard. I've gotten those text messages like, hey, try this with me. I'm about to start. And that 75 hard stuff is, it's hard. 
Bro, it's, it's hard. hard. <laughs> Two workouts it's a hard. day, read a book, a gallon of water, no alcohol. You know, it's like, that's freaking rough. So I'm like, that's, that's rough. What's the uh, church tech guy, uh, gal version of that? You know, I think it's like, can we just work out 30 minutes a couple times a week at first? Cut out sugar, like don't stop the big gulps on the way to work, you know, stuff like that. And I don't want to sound like I'm like I'm the one giving the advice here, but I th- I feel like it's something more like that. Yeah, the baby steps thing is definitely is definitely the key. That's exactly right. Think about this. Let's just say you drink, uh, you know, classic like Cokes, Pepsi's, whatever. All right. So if you eliminate just one 12 ounce soda a day, just one. Um, over the course of a year, you eliminate 50,000 calories from your diet, and you will also eliminate 65 cups of sugar. We consume 150 pounds of sugar per person per year, and that just one soda doesn't seem like anything that day, but over the course of a year, you've eliminated 50,000 terrible calories and guaranteed you'll have weight loss at the end of the year. That's that's amazing. That's crazy. So let's stay let's stay here for a second. So talk talk a little bit more about sugar in general and processed foods in general because I know just from our journey in our home how much of a difference it makes in terms of eliminating some of those things. Just how how the pendulum can shift so quickly. And then talk for a minute based on your nutrition stuff about other food sensitivities and how to figure out like you know it's seems like everybody's allergic to gluten these days. Well, what, where does that problem come from? And some of the other things that we hear about so that people can start to get educated on some of these, I don't want to say, I know sugar is a danger, but some of these other kind of red flags. Yeah, there are, there, we, we call them the big five, right? There's, there's the big five. So um, we would like clients to eliminate inevitably gluten, soy, corn, um, hydrogenated oils and and and, and uh, sugar and sugar being the biggest one because obviously like I said we it, we consume 150 pounds on average per person per year that's that's a tremendous amount <laughs> that's crazy 15 10 pound bags of sugar that's incredible yeah it it really is and so when we think about that just load of sugar just making a dent in that can make such a huge impact but you know, you you actually mentioned it on your last podcast. Sugar is as addictive as cocaine. Um, so the brain, see, it all goes into neurology too. Um, not that we're necessarily genetically uh, at higher risk for anyone in particular for like developing a sugar addiction. Sugar is just addictive. Uh, I love, I mean, I start eating sugar. I, I can't stop, man. I love something sweet. We all kind of do. So when we think about sugar, it provides a reward for the brain. So it's all about the dopamine rush that we get when we consume sugar. And when we repeat that, that intake of sugar and we ingrain that, that trench of addiction or dopamine reward for the brain in that particular food, it's really, really hard to break. And so what will happen is we've dug this trench of sugar desire addiction for 5, 10, 20 years. And we can't expect to break it in 75 days of going hard without it because we're going to want it back. And what's even crazier is there's research that shows it's not even really your brain 
that's desiring the sugar. It's your gut bacteria that's actually desiring the sugar. And when the gut bacteria start to die off because you haven't been consuming it, it sends chemicals to the brain that makes you crave it and makes you want it. And so that's that's really where a lot of healing can happen. When you mentioned gluten and corn and soy, it happens in the gut. I think like I'm not a big sugar guy. I don't I don't do the sweets thing it, or it's not well I was I almost said it's not a problem. I'm sure it's a problem. But <laughs> I, mine is the feeling of being satiated. I think I eat until I'm full and it feels like that that amount of food it takes to be full just keeps going up. What is that? Is that real or am I crazy? You nailed it, man. It's actually a hormone called leptin. So leptin is a hormone in the in the brain that tells us when we're full. But if you have a diabetic, they are what we call insulin resistant. So pretty much their cells can't tolerate insulin, which brings sugar into the cells to cause energy to happen. So blood sugar elevates and we have diabetes. Well, actually, with prolonged sugar consumption as kids, we develop something called leptin resistance. Leptin is a hormone that your fat cells make that tell your brain, hey, I'm good. Like, I don't need any more food. And when we eat, leptin is secreted. But the, but the more fat we have on our bodies and also the more inflamed or unhealthy our bodies are, the more resistant our brain is at hearing leptin. And so the more we don't even feel hungry anymore. Like it's just kind of, we just keep eating and our meals keep increasing because we've become leptin resistant. And so that's actually really where the healing happens in people that are weight loss resistance. They can't lose that last 20, 30, 40 pounds is all about fixing the hormonal system within leptin. And the good news is just as much as you can resensitize your body to glucose or insulin, you can do the same thing with leptin in the brain. Yeah. So how does that work? Is there a is, is there a just natural process that that happens or is that chemically induced or how do like how does that work? Yep. And so that's where there's that steady reduction in those big five foods that help decrease inflammation in the body. And then the less sugar that we consume. And also there are other habits that we have to stack, which is sleep, movement, and stress reduction. It's not just nutrition. And that's why you you have to hit all five pillars, right? It's not just nutrition. Okay. So okay, good. there's been so much already and, and I got loads of questions, but maybe like if you were meeting with me one-on-one and there's no one else listening, what what's the next thing in in this process for me? So I'm going to ask you some inventory questions. Yeah. Right? So the first one I'm going to ask is, "Hey, how many hours of of sleep do you get per night?" Um, I'm actually doing pretty good on that. I feel like um at least 7. Dude, that's awesome. But it didn't used to be like that. I found out I had sleep apnea and, you know, snoring was just a giant problem. It got so bad that I would say earlier last year, I think I started this in the spring. So maybe like February or March of last year, my wife started getting up in the middle of the night and going sleeping in another room. And when that happened, that was like red alert for me. 
Because like you're supposed to sleep in the same bed with your wife. Because that's right. Oh, where else do you have sex, people? Like, <laughs> come, come on, on, man. Right. So that's right. She's like the snoring, and so that's what she kept saying. Is snoring just crazy? And like she would record me snoring, and I, I know I've always snored. And she said, "Well, she started sleeping in the other room halfway through the night, or you know, thirty minutes after I fell asleep. She was probably heading out, really." And I went and called a sleep specialist. I'm like, I got to get this figured out. Well, then they send you home with the machine and they do the sleep test and I have sleep apnea. And they said it was extremely severe. I was having 50 apnea episodes per hour. My oxygen was dropping into the 80s every every couple minutes. So it was insane. So now Mm -hmm. I have a machine, a, um, a, a BiPAP. Like not a CPAP, BiPAP, that's like CPAP on steroids. And it has changed my life. Like the the quality of sleep, I didn't know I could sleep that deep. It's crazy. So now I have nights that like when I go to sleep, I don't wake up. And then eight hours later, I'm like, oh, I just slept through the night. But I also know the apnea is from being overweight. And it's the pressure on the airway in, in your neck and your throat. So I know that it's not a genetic thing. It's a weight thing because you're learning so much about me here. Um, 10 years ago, I hired a life coach is what he calls himself. And it was email me every single day what you eat. Walk 45 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes at night. That's how we started. And then it was, okay, add five minutes of running in one of those. And then the next week it was a little more. And the next week was a little more. And then within five months, I ran a half marathon and I didn't stop. So I I was crushing it. And the running, the euphoric thing that runners get, I had it. It was like, I felt so prideful. I was like the chubby guy that could outrun all of my skinny friends. You know, it it became like a thing because I think I'm so competitive. It was like, I just got to go run. So I would do, I remember I ran, um, I think... I ran a mile the first time and cried. Mm. And uh, anyway, it, it became a, I just, I was so proud of how far I could run. And mm. uh, I, I did that half marathon and then uh, stopped using the life coach for accountability and then said, I'm going to take a two week break and then I'm going to train for a full marathon. I never ran again. Mm-hmm. That was the problem. It's like I couldn't. I didn't, I didn't start it back up. And I think at that point I'd lost 50 pounds and gained it all back. Well, it's like we said last week, as hard as it is to build up that consistency and like feeling like you can endure and sustain and all that building pace and all that is as hard as it is to build fitness for running. If you don't, if you take a two-week break, it's going to fall apart. It's like, how can it be that it disappears so quickly when it's so it takes so long to build it up, and then it's just gone? Yeah, totally. But I, I, I said all that to say, like, when I dropped, like, it's probably when I dropped that 40 pounds, my snoring stopped. And my wife was like, you wow. don't snore anymore. But then when I gained the weight back, not much longer, the snoring started again. So I know that the apnea and the BiPAP can go away if I get this figured out. Yeah, that's like, amazing. Stra- strapping this big mask on every night is annoying, but the sleep is amazing. Yeah, and you nailed it, man. You know, but most people aren't sleeping seven, 
eight hours a night. They just aren't, yeah. nor, nor is it quality, right? And so, you know, that's where I'll start getting an inventory is, okay, let me just hear you. Let, let, how are you, how are you uh, sleeping? What's your movement, you know, look like? Are, are you walking? Are you training? Yeah. And, and then, uh, you me answer that one. You want to go through the whole, this whole inventory? Let's go, man. <laughs> okay. So the movement one is, uh, I do belong to a gym. I just switched gyms and I actually like working out. I don't like cardio, but like weight training and lifting, I, I really, really like it. I actually enjoy that. Um, Last year, what motivated that again is I started testosterone replacement therapy. So I went and got blood work done. My testosterone levels were horrible, like below the charts low. Um, so I started uh, testosterone therapy and then started working out because I knew that well, with the increased level of testosterone, I could really take advantage of this if I go to the gym. And boy, did it. Like the recovery, you're not sore at all. My like bench press personal records were going up every single week. It was just crazy. And then get busy in the fall. We go on tour, work's busy. And then I just kind of stopped going to the gym. And then I backed off the TRT level because I didn't want to be taking TRT and then not be in the gym all the time. Um, so I like going to the gym. I don't, I don't love cardio because who, who does? Um, but I, I liked running 10 years ago though. So, so I don't know. So that's kind of the movement right now is I'm, I tried to get a head start on this. I'm trying to go to the gym three days a week right now, but I'm not, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not doing a half hour of cardio with high heart rate. When I go, I'm, I'm lifting, stretching, and I'll do 10 minutes on the treadmill walk incline super high. Yeah. I think that's, uh, honestly really good. Um, you know, when you talk about strength training, it increases metabolism, increases lean mass. Uh, most people aren't doing that. So okay. I'd say that's a, that's a high do. That's, that's already above what I usually start people, people at. So that's awesome. And then just like you nailed it, it's as simple as 10 minutes of walking a day. Research shows if you do that compared to people that don't just 10 minutes of intentional walking every day, you uh, increase your life expectancy an additional five years wow. just by walking 10 minutes a day. So, you know, most people, they're not really walking. They're not really, eat, you know, sleeping seven, eight hours. So we just have to find out with each person, okay, where's the low hanging fruit? What's the easiest first step? And that may be sleep, that may be nutrition, that may be fitness, you know, but one of those areas is going to be really low hanging. And then we're going to grab that and we're just going to push 1% better. So for you, I would say, hey, let's let's just go 15 minutes on that on that treadmill. Let's just walk 15 minutes, um, you know, three times a week or after lunch. This is a great thing to do. After you eat lunch, walk for 10 minutes. And what that shows, it improves digestion, metabolism, and energy levels. So you don't feel that crash uh, after lunch when you come back. That's so easy to do. There was actually a study that showed you are more creative when you walk than when you sit. So you talk uh, about creative guys, right? You guys are crea super creative. Well, new ideas are quicker to come on people that walk than people that sit. So they did this cool study. And so for you, I'd be like, hey, let's Let's just add 10 minutes of walking after your lunch. Super simple, but it increases metabolism, helps digestion, burns calories. And again, it's going to help tremendously with uh, creativity. 
Well, that's awesome. And for people listening, I'm thinking, take a lap around your church campus after lunch, just one time. Yeah, just take a lap around the parking yeah. lot. That's Th- it. These churches that's are great. huge. That's it's probably a half a mile for some of these people. <laughs> yeah, that's going to take that's 10 so minutes. so good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, not to, uh, this is not a recruitment for CrossFit, but I know one of the core foundational principles of CrossFit is functional fitness. So talk for a minute about the importance of functional movement over the long term. So we're not talking about just bicep curls and bench press. We're talking about squatting and pressing overhead and movements that we would need if we were gardening or taking care of our kids or doing whatever, into, especially into older age. Just talk about functional fitness and how that makes a difference in all this. Well, the one thing that I see when we start hitting really above 50 is two things, loss of mobility and lack of balance. And so where functional training comes in is it causes us to go past the range of motion that we're typically going to get on a machine. And it also creates instability because we're using typically our own body as the means of training. So what I love about body weight training is it improves balance, coordination, but it also improves mobility. And if there's any person that I meet with, you know, at 50, 55, 60, and they're in pain, chronic pain, chronic knee pain, it's because they have tight hamstrings, tight hips. If you sit at a desk, your hips are tight, your low back is tight. So when you take you, you take yourself away from a machine that kind of closes you in on a, a certain range of motion, and we really don't recruit our, our brain to create balance, then now we're talking about truly uh, leveling up our fitness. So uh, as simple as lunges, air squats, uh, getting down on the ground and getting up, we call that a burpee, everyone's favorite movement. And so when you do these types of movements, even if it's just stepping up on a plate that's six inches off the ground, that box step up, that's going to strengthen the hips and glutes. And hey, I talk to people that live in, you know, uh, that work in, in churches that have stairwells. And it's like, hey, let's just walk those flights of stairs after that lunch. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do actually some strength training for the hips and glutes. They're going to help that low back out, but it's also going to provide you with some, you know, fitness. So that's where functional fitness comes in. It really just helps increase range of motion and increase balance that we need for our brain uh, long-term. So good. Okay. So what's the next question? You said there were five. Well, there's, yeah, there's kind of in our practice, we talk about five domains where we talk about, you know, chiropractic care, nutrition. Okay. We talk about movement. We talk about sleep. And then we talk about stress reduction exercises. Yeah. So then, you know, we're all inundated with stress on a daily basis. Physical stress, chemical stress, emotional stress. So I always ask, hey, what do you do that's anti-stress? And then most people will look at you cross-eyed. Yeah, right. <laughs> Especially everyone listening to this right now. This is a big deal for our community. It's everyone's super stressed. That's it, man. But you know what? Um, if you look at um, you know Navy SEALs, how do they handle stress? Well, they do an exercise called box breathing. And this is probably one of the most potent techniques, practices I give my clients on a daily basis to reduce stress, improve brain performance, improve energy levels, and actually really start to combat things like anxiety and depression. There's research that shows anxiety, depression is directly linked to how you breathe. 
And so there's a technique called box breathing that I teach all my clients. And it's as simple as you do a four-second inhalation through the nose. You do a four-second breath hold at the top. You do a four-second exhalation through the mouth and a four-second hold at the bottom. And in essence, you're creating this box of four seconds in, four-second hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold. And you may start at two or three seconds and build a four. I just give that framework. But that's what we call an anti-stress exercise that shuts off the fight or flight response in our brain and induces this other part of our nervous system that causes relaxation and healing to happen. That's really interesting because most people, when they feel stressed, I think everybody can relate to the feeling of shallow breathing. You feel like you can't catch your breath. Not that you're short of breath, like, you know, a sickness symptom or something, but there's just this, it's like you're, your breathing becomes shallow and quicker. And so that idea of just slowing it down, being intentional about it. And it's so simple. Like, I don't, it, it seems so intuitive. And yet, even when we're falling asleep, for me, like lately, it's been hard for me to get into a pattern of deep breathing when I'm falling asleep because my brain is just going 27 different places. That's exactly right. And you can shut that off by consciously taking control of your brain or your nervous system using your breath. Your breath is something that's given to us by God to actually heal our bodies when we use it properly. But as everyone knows, when we're stressed, like you said, it's short, shallow, but when we're relaxed, it's deep and long. So just intentionally doing that exercise immediately starts to break the pattern of stress and anxiety and can really help calm the nervous system down. That's great. That's amazing. Simple. It's simple, you know, and it's just, again, it's habit stacking because at some point you got to feel better and you got to lose some pounds in order to keep the thing going, right? right? Right. But but when you start feeling better in your brain, like, oh, I have less anxiety because of my simple two minutes of box breathing. Um, hey, I'm, I'm walking and I'm not as sluggish anymore and I reduce one soda a day and I've lost five pounds in the first two months. Don't expect... When, when we see this like Instagram or this social media or TV ad for this person that's lost all this weight and they're keeping off, they're looking great, that's just not reality. Reality is slow and steady wins the race. That's encouraging too. For, and just for me, it's like, even as we started talking about this as of last week, in my mind, I'm like, okay, by summer, I got to look normal. You know what I mean? Like, that's the pressure I put on myself. Yeah. But you also don't want to, you don't want to lower the bar so low, it gives you an excuse not to change the way you know you should either. Yeah, that's why you need some uh, people to kick you in the butt sometimes. Is that what you're about to do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where, that. I think that's where this community piece is going to come in so great because we can hold each other accountable. We can, you know, the way I'm envisioning this over the next few weeks is we're going to come up with some guidelines, but it's not, like like we've said, it's not going to be super intense workouts necessarily. Maybe there's a way to scale it up if you need to, but the bottom line is we're going to have a bunch of folks who are in this together who can 
prod each other on, call each other out, encourage each other, and feel like we're in this as a tribe of people who really need to get better. Because, you know, Lee and I were challenged the other day. A friend of ours said, you know, your community from a technical perspective are ninjas. You guys are the Navy SEALs of production, troubleshooting, fast action, problem solving, all this stuff. It's like you guys should be the yeah. Navy SEALs physically too. Uh, well, he, And yet he, there's such a gap. He said you should be the Navy SEAL of the church staff. So if you think of the whole staff of a church, you know, ministry, accounting, facilities, everybody, the tech director should be the David Goggins, the the Navy SEAL of the, <laughs> the staff. The rich froning of the church. Like most competitive, <laughs> smartest, dang it. I don't care if you don't you didn't go to seminary, you know, get crap done, save the day. I'm like, but we're like a little soft. And well, that's got to change, you know? It's like, man. I mean, yeah, not everybody I mean, knows who David Goggins is, but if if you don't, oh, you should listen, go read that guy's book. After I list, I did the Audible because I wanted to hear the podcast. Yeah, and uh, I, I went from a fifty from a five k to a fifty k in, in yeah. ninety days. Yeah, I was like, if he did it, right. I'm going to do it. I was like, let's get let's get hard. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wow, that's amazing. I love that guy. So, this has been a great conversation. I don't know necessarily what our conclusions are in terms of specific kind of go and do's for people but maybe a first step is just an inventory like you're like you would do in an interview so if somebody were to say okay i just want to figure out my baseline i want to figure out where i am what's the best way to sort of start to assess okay i'm i'm eating way more of sugar than i thought i was or i'm way more sedentary than i thought like is there a journal is there a like what are the steps that you would say to somebody to go, okay, let's just figure out where you're at right now? Yeah, data is important, right? We, we need good data inevitably to monitor progress and encourage us along the journey. So what I like to do is first, you know, let's get a sleep inventory. Let's, all right, what are we, what are we sleeping? And if, if we're under seven hours, we got to improve that or we've got to take a, a t- intentional 20-minute nap in the middle of the day to offset that sleep loss, which studies show can be incredible for you. Um, so I'll do a sleep inventory. And then I really like more body fat percentage rather than looking at a scale. The scale is going to lie to you every day depending upon how hydrated you are, how much muscle you've built, how much fat you've lost. And it's so frustrating looking at that scale and seeing the same number, but yet actually your body composition improved 2%. So looking at body fat percentage is a better indicator than the body scale number. And so I'll, I'll usually have them do that. So how do you determine that if you've never done it? Like, how do you know your body fat percentage? Yeah. So most uh, cities, and, and when I say most, almost all of them um, are going to have some type of measurement, usually in a fitness center, like a caliper measurement, or there's there's bioimpedance where you hold these handles and you stand on this platform and it tells you your body fat percentage. There's a, a thing called bod pod where you sit in this like spaceship and it looks at how much you weigh from a body fat percentage. But something like that, it's usually going to be in like nutritional shops, uh, you know, kind of like those GNC chains, um, it's usually going to be caliper measurements with a physical personal trainer. 
Um, or you can usually just type in body fat percentage analysis in your city and something will come up. Okay, cool. And then, you know, so we got sleep, body fat percentage, and then just movement analysis. Okay, how much am I moving every single day? Um, and that's that's not uh, – and, 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 okay, so it could be as simple as a step counter. There is plenty of data to support 5,000 steps a day versus 7,000 versus 10,000 steps a day. So a lot of times if you're not even working out at a gym, hey, how many steps are you taking a day? That's a good place to start because we can always make very little subtle adjustments to that and see improvement. And then the last one is, yeah, usually I'm going to ask for a food journal. Um, and uh, and really, uh, there are a lot of nutritional apps called like MyFitnessPal where you can just for a day, just log what you eat. It's very simple. I mean, you guys are tech guys, so it'll yeah. take you a second to figure it out. And so you log in the data and it spits out these macronutrients. It says, hey, you're consuming 60% carbohydrate. You're going to be fat, okay? Or you're consuming X amount of fat or X amount of protein. That's just a good guideline to have. So you kind of get a grasp of what do I need to do to adjust that a little bit and then monitor that over time. That's awesome. Okay, great. Um, and we can wrap up here. Maybe we can talk more about this if we decide to do it. So you know, the 75 hard that everybody posts every day and they check off that how awesome they are for working out five times a day. I don't think that level of commitment <laughs> is smart for our community, but do you think something like that is out there we could come up with that's attainable 1% a day that we could like, say we go from like February to Easter or something just to get this thing kickstarted or do you not like stuff like that? I love stuff like that. Okay. I think I think inside all of us, we want a challenge. Yeah. I think it scares us. I think I think it does. I think it's kind of, hey, I, I, what if I fail? Yeah. But if you don't know where you're going to fail, you're never going to grow. So we got to hit your point of failure. And so a challenge just exposes us a little bit. And what I like to do is create challenges that are fundamentally accepted by everyone, like anyone can do it. And then like uh, Jeff was saying, you can scale it up, right? Yeah. So if you're already moving, here's how you're going to move a little bit more. Um, but absolutely, there are just a, a few things that you can kind of check off on a daily box that would probably take you 30 minutes of intentionality daily, but in 60 days time, you could see a pretty big health change. Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk about that offline and come up with something and maybe we do something like a run up to Easter or something because our, our whole community has got Easter as the target of the next big event for their church. So maybe that works. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. I love or that. Or maybe, maybe that. Good Friday and we can all die that day too along with Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Say goodbye to all of our fat yeah. cells. <laughs> come on. You're preaching. That'd be a good, good Friday. That's all right. right. Well, I love the idea, and I think I think there's there's going to be some momentum here because just based solely on the number of responses we got this week on last week's podcast, I think people are going to be scared, like you said, but definitely see the need and are going to be up for it. So we're going to come up with something that we can all do together. And I know, hey, there are guys out there in our community who are super fit, who run marathons, who do all that. And so I know they're going to be our biggest cheerleaders because they're going to want to see 
everybody else reap the benefits that they've experienced personally. And, uh, you know, just the more ways that we can encourage each other around that, you know, the better we're going to be as not just people for ourselves, but husbands and wives and employees and friends. It's like, this is so important. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation. So Dr. Barrett, thank you so much for your time today. It's super helpful. I hope people were taking notes and, uh, maybe we need to do this, like, do a check-in like once a month with Come Dr. On. Barrett. Yeah. Just Let's to kind of keep, keep the conversation fresh. Absolutely. And that's the important thing, right? Because if it's not in front and it goes behind, we're gonna lose, yeah. we're gonna lose focus. So we gotta always keep yeah. it in the front. Yeah, because I know there's a lot of people who, as we've glossed over surface level of some of this stuff, they've they're going, Well, we'll talk more about that. What about corn? Why shouldn't I eat corn? Those kind of things. It's like, okay, we we can dive into some of those topics later on. But this was so great today. So thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. It's it's I love adding value and health to people. So it's it really is an honor to be here. Well, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. I need a nap. Well, thank you for being so vulnerable. I know yeah. It's hard for you, and I know it's not fun, but no, it it's, sucks. Um, Pretty freaking it's sucks. meaningful. Yeah, but but it's real. I think you know people want to know that other people feel what they feel. Yeah, when they struggle, and I I've run a couple of half marathons. It was ten years ago, kind of like you, but that feeling of euphoria when you actually do it, yeah, it's amazing. It is. It's like it was just a reminder to me to go how can you harness some more of that? Because everybody needs more of that in their life. Mm -hmm. Not that you become a distance runner again, no. but that you have that feeling of the endorphins and the accomplishment and the yeah. satisfaction of your brain just firing on all cylinders. Yeah. That's, that's that's what I need to get back to because I feel like my brain has kind of been in a fog off and on since COVID especially. And we just need to just kind of clear the cobwebs and turn everything up. It's a crazy feeling being overweight your whole life. And then at some point you get healthy and you can run a long way. Looking at your skinny friends, and some of them I would even say this too, is my cardio is better than yours and I can run farther than you. Yeah. It it, it was like maybe from a, a place of arrogance a little, but I it was a crazy feeling to know that just within a few months, I could run further yeah. than almost anyone in the room. It was crazy. Being proud is not necessarily being arrogant. I think so, feeling true. a sense of accomplishment and being proud of what you're doing is not necessarily prideful. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I feel like we were five minutes in to our conversation and I felt like we need to have this guy back a lot because there are so many questions that we can't get to and I just want to keep talking. So yeah. we're going to have to do that. For sure. All right, man. All right. Well, we also had another great announcement today. So for people who didn't see the social post or didn't get the email, we announced our giveaway today. And so we're giving away a Blackmagic video switcher. Why don't you give everybody the specs and the deal on what they need to do to win this thing? Yeah, well, you can go to our Instagram or our Facebook page. Um, and the most recent post as of today was that one, but you'll find it. There's a picture of a black magic switcher and you can click the link in the bio to enter yourself or your church into that. But it is a black magic design, a 2 ME production studio, 4k. 
Amazing. That's the one. Thanks to our friends at Church Gear. So Church Gear is awesome. They, they're going to be a great partner of ours this year. You're going to hear more about them. But if you've got some gear sitting in your closets, call them up. They'll buy it from you and give your church money and increase that operating budget so you can go buy Wait, it. Wait, actual cash money? Cash money. Not Bitcoin. Wow. Not Bitcoin. Unbelievable. Dogecoin. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Whatever the other newest crypto is. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, you can use some of that money to subscribe to MXU Team so that all of your team can get the benefit of the new features that are coming to the platform. Our guys are working so hard on the app and we're adding more videos all the time. So we cannot wait for you guys to engage further and further with us because we're so excited about what's coming. Heck yeah, man. All right, we got some awesome. work to do. Yep, you got to go take a nap. And yeah. uh, we got to figure out a plan to get strategic with Dr. Barrett. Let's do it. All right, buddy. All right, see you next time. See ya.